I think we're good to go. Welcome, everybody. Welcome to the episode two of the Disconnect Podcast. I am your host, Marvelous Play. It is so good to have you here with me again. Let me go ahead and turn down the music in my ear just a little bit, but I'm so glad to have you here. Disconnect Podcast, we are your new bi-monthly source for all topics across gaming, live streaming, and pop culture headlines. Our motto is, here we aim to spark conversation. But before we get started, let me remind you of a couple of things. If you enjoy this episode or any other episode, be sure to find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Red Circle. And if you enjoy this episode, be sure to rate it five stars on Apple Podcasts when it gets uploaded, just so you can help support and bump us up in the search algorithm. And for those of you who are feeling generous and want to financially support the show, you can take it a step further. You can go to redcircle.com slash disconnect podcasts and you can make a one-time donation to help, you know, streamline the production quality of the podcast, um, whatever amount you feel is feasible. Okay. With that being said, we have a lot to discuss. How's everybody doing today? Hope you're doing well. But with that being said, let's go ahead and get to topic number one, because I actually have a lot of thoughts I need to break down and a lot of things I want to share with you. Topic number one, COD Warzone review. I gave this one a lot of thought and I really wanted to take my time with this because I don't know about you. I was one of the first people that I grew up on Call of Duty as a kid. And it was one of the reasons why I got into first person shooters in the first place. So allow me to preface this with it's good, but I have some qualms with Call of Duty Warzone that I need to address honestly. And I'm going to tell you why. First, let's give you a little bit of background about the uh, game. It is a free to play standalone mode. Well, not standalone. We're going to talk about that too, but it's free to play within the first 24 hours cod warzone had over 6 million players sign in and download the game okay and now it has currently 30 million player count in the last two weeks of release which is phenomenal so shout out to activision and the team over there in infinity ward for doing an amazing job of keeping up with that player base however it's done something that's unprecedented it gave us not one but two new modes one called warzone which is the battle royale mode but also a second mode called plunder which is basically a cash grab mode whichever team has the most cash at the end of the mode basically ends up winning okay first impressions i like it i think it's a good welcome to the call of duty family and i think it was well executed for the most part but i do have a couple of pros and cons i want to kind of run down and i'll give you my final thoughts and review of the game like a score of like one to five when it's all said and done okay let me go down the pros real quick because we always want to you know, start lying and then we'll hit them low. I'm sorry. That's just the way it's got to go. As far as the pros when it comes to Call of Duty Warzone, first thing I noticed about the game was the named interest points above the map as you jump. Now, for me, I think this was actually a great addition to the whole Battle Royale genre because how many times have you been into a single game or a Battle Royale and you have to press M or whatever it is if you're on controller and you have to look at and identify where you want to land with your team on the map, okay? It is mad annoying to try to sit here and memorize all those name locations when I'm just trying to drop and find good loot and not get killed in the first like 50 seconds of the game, all right? Not getting killed in the first 50 seconds of the game is already hard enough without trying to memorize a name location. So what they've done is when you're in the plane with your team initially upon jump, you can look at the map, right? But you can also see the entire overlay of the land and see all the name locations right there, which to me is perfect and basically Get you up to speed and get you ready to hit the ground, boots on the ground, get to gunning, getting your loot and everything 
running with your team which was phenomenal another positive i like about this was the loot collection of fallen enemy players and this is one thing i think they did better than like apex okay because for me right now apex is like the pinnacle of battle royale i play apex quite a bit probably too much i have an unhealthy addiction i'm sorry but apex to me right now is the pinnacle of battle royale however they've done this right the loot collection on the enemy players makes it really simple to find loot and get everything that you need just for the simple fact that when an enemy player dies their loot falls on the ground all right i don't have to spend time going through a loot box picking up items finding attachments things of that nature uh, just to make it work with my current gear or change my entire loadout and then risking shot in the back of the head you know trying to get what i need to keep playing the next round or getting to the next circle seeing everything right there makes it so concise and makes it so fast paced and so easy to pick up loot and just keep on moving to find the next fight or get into position for the next circle and zone it's seamless i like it it's very reminiscent of fortnite now y'all know i hate to bring fortnite into this because i do not like fortnite I will only play Fortnite on very select moments and with very select people. And you know who you are because you are in chat, some of you. But the one thing that they and Fortnite have done well is when you kill an enemy player or enemy team, the loot is right there on the ground. You can walk over it. You can get exactly what you need or you can swap out with a simple press of a button. No loot box required. I love it, okay? When you get a kill or when you complete a contract, whatever the thing is in the game, you can keep your same weapon and all you have to do is find ammo. The gun basically levels up in itself because the more kills, the more successful your team is, you get attachments and everything for your game automatically. So you don't have to worry about, you know, do I need a level two attachment? Do I need a level three? Do I need this stock with this barrel? Do I need this sight with this gun? I don't have to worry about that. As long as I'm getting kills, as long as I'm progressing in the game, the gun levels up automatically with everything that I need. And then I also have the ability to call in loadout drops and grab a loadout from something I've already made before I even started the game. So I think both of those were phenomenal, okay? The cash system, it just makes sense. The cash system saves a lot of time because how many times have you been in a VR, especially Apex, when like you've been looking for a fight, you've been trying to find loot, you've been trying to get everything that you need to be the final like two or three teams and you're still out here rocking a plain white tee, white armor. Does it look like I wanna be in the final three teams with plain white tee armor? I'm not trying to be out here in, yup, in my white tee. Like we back in 2005, like we the franchise boys. I'm not trying to do this. It pains me so bad to try to find everything that I need and everybody's got purple, they've got gold, they've got red Evo shields, and I'm out here in my plain yup in my YT in the final circle. It makes no sense. So the RNG is not in your favor. And that's the thing about battle royales in general. It's like 80% luck with your RNG and your loot and 20% skill half the time. Because every time, it's usually the team who has all gold shields because they can outheal everybody that usually ends up winning the game. But with the cash system in Call of Duty Warzone, it kind of equals out because everybody is limited to the same amount of ammo. Everybody's limited to the same amount of armor plates and everybody is basically, you know, limited to the same guns for the most part um, in the final, you know, circle or teams. And if you don't have it, you can buy it. If I can't loot it from somebody, I can buy it. So I never feel like I'm pressed to, you know, go kill a team just because I need your gas mask. You got a gas mask. I don't have one. I need it. I need to compromise my position to give to get what I need. Or I can go over here 
to this little cash drop, this little buy station and take my $4,500 or however much I have and go buy the gas mess I need to run through this circle to get into the next zone. So the cash system in a BR just makes sense because you're getting rewarded for exploration. You're getting rewarded for doing bounties, for doing contracts and taking on enemy players. And you can still buy the things that you need, regardless if you're jumping into the game late, whether you just got rezzed, whatever the case may be. And the cash is shareable amongst your team. So it's a fantastic system. The fourth thing I will say that's a big pro to the Call of Duty Warzone is gonna be the unique respawn system, where basically you can be thrown in jail, what's called the Gulag system. But really it's basically just the 1v1 gun mode known as gunfight when the game first came out where it's you versus another player and basically whoever wins that 1v1 duel will come out on top and will win their freedom now say you don't win your fight in the gulag where your team still has the ability to respawn you and buy you back into the game as long as they have $4,500. And being that the team can pull their money and share money with each other, I can drop my teammate $2,300. He's got his $2,200. Hey, we got $4,500. Guess what? Our third teammate can come back. He's got a fighting chance because it keeps the competitive nature going and you can never let an enemy team get away because you never know if they have enough money to bring back that second or third team member, all right? So it basically encourages you to finish your kill, get the squad wipe and take action early on because you never know who's gonna be coming back to haunt you just because you didn't wipe them off the map, okay? So I think the respawn system with Gulag and the ability to buy back your teammates provided that you have enough cash is another serious pro about this game that I did enjoy. Now, with all that being said, I have some gripes about this game. And some of you know my gripes about this game already, and I'm not even gonna front, I'm not even gonna lie. I'm gonna keep it kind of short and simple. Even though I enjoy the game, it's not perfect. So let's get into the cons of it. First off, that ping system. That horrible, horrible ping system that for whatever reason they tried to copy off apex and fortnite and they just did not succeed listen i applaud the effort i applaud you wanting to take something innovative throw your own twist on it you saw that it worked and you said hey we can make it work for ourselves in this case y'all should have left that shit alone all right y'all did not know <laughs> they they did their best but they should have left that shit alone i'm sorry because First of all, whose idea was it to bring the ping system onto the left alt button? I already have to use these four fingers right here to W, A, S, and D, right? Why do I need to reach my thumb right here? For those of you who are view viewing this video on YouTube, you'll be able to see it, which by the way, subscribe to the YouTube channel, plug on plug. But anyway, for the video version, why do I have to use this thumb right here to reach all the way down on my keyboard to hit left alt? to ping that there's an enemy nearby or an item of interest. This is the most misplaced ping system I've ever seen. And then you have to one ping to identify an item. You have to two ping to identify an enemy. And then there's another ping for something completely, I just, I can't use the ping system in that game. It gives me a headache. I literally rather go ahead and jump in a car and drive off the nearest cliff right into enemy fire if I have to ping where the enemy is. I'd rather kamikaze my car into the enemy team to let you know where they are rather than ping them. It's that bad. Another gripe that I have with the game, early and late camping. Early and late camping is something that has been known to Call of Duty since Call of Duty has been a thing, all right? We know camping is 
prevalent in COD since the beginning of time. There's no getting around it. It's in the player base. It's instilled in everybody. They're never going to change it, all right? But the thing about Warzone is it's a big map. It may be too big because they say you can host up to 150 people in one match, which is fine. But even with 150 people, I still feel like I really don't even see anybody or I don't see another enemy team or another solo player till like I'm two circles into the game, which is fascinating to me. We want loot. We want to be able to get loot and do contracts. Sure. But I also want to be able to find people and know that I'm not playing solo at a certain point in the game. And the map is just too big and encourages way too much camping, both early and late game, especially, and you know the players, you know who you are out there. The ones of you who sit there and camp around the freaking buy stations, ones of you who sit there and camp around the freaking cash drop locations and plunder, you know who you are. And I'm speaking directly to you. Stop it. Okay. I'm looking for you. Come out and fight me like the man or woman that you are and let's be done with this because I don't have all day to be sitting here and looking for you for an entire hour. If I wanted to play a game and play a game mode for a whole hour, I would go play Battlefield. Battlefield makes sense to me. Battlefield is pretty much like 50 v 50. It's a giant battlefield. The map is like twice the size of Call of Duty and a whole match can take you one hour on itself. If I want to sit here and play a BR for an hour, give me Battlefield BR. Because that's basically what we're doing at this point. 150 players on that little map is too big and way too much camping. I can't do it. I'm sorry. And then the other thing I have with this game is the clunky hit detection. Now, I've talked to my friends about this. Y'all know I hate using the freaking 357 revolver. Y'all know I hate the Desert Eagle Magnum. I just hate the pistol mechanics and Call of Duty as a whole. But the hit detection and the clunky movement just feels so off, especially when you're coming from something like Apex Legends, where you have the smooth transition system, where the mechanics are so fluid, where you have abilities, the gun mechanics, the firefights feel tight to this. I can have my crosshairs on somebody's head with a sniper. I can snipe them and it registers for a chest shot or a body shot. It's mad annoying. I don't understand who does the hit detection and what's the difference between like my tick rate, your latency, whatever the case may be. I don't know the technical jargon for all this stuff. Let's be honest. But the hit detection and movement system compared to like other BRs, like in the modern age just feels so off. It's unbearable at times. And not only that, now we have it basically where there's a lack of anti-cheat in the game as well too. So now you have people who are especially like speed running around the map, especially if you play on PC, you've probably seen them, the people who are speed hacking and can magically get across the map um, when the match just started. Like I saw you just kill, you know, Timmy92310TTV on, you know, all the way over in Boneyard and now you're over all the way over here at Superstore. How? How did you just get over here and you're on the other side of the map to kill me, but you just killed Timmy293210TTV just five seconds ago? It boggles my mind that there is not a more dedicated anti-cheat system in this game for PC players and even for console players at some point. Last two points I want to make about it that are cons to me is also the lack of like the pointless squad leader jump. What is the point of having a squad leader when you jump out of the plane? Okay, many people have said this, but I'm just going to reemphasize it. In Apex, 
or any other br even in PUBG, i'll give PUBG a pass for this because they did it right because it's a different type of battle royale but what point is it being squad leader and making me squad leader that when i jump we all still have to jump separately like the thing i admired about apex that they did it well is like when you jump as a squad leader you carry your entire team you're basically you know boots on the ground and bringing all of your people with you because it's like hey I have faith that if we land here together as a team, we're going to find loot. We're going to find what we need to survive the next fight or to keep it going right now in Call of Duty. That's not the case. They give you the title of squad leader, but still require everybody to jump separately. So I can be over here in Superstore. I'm going to use Split as an example. I can be over here in Superstore. Split can still decide to jump like Boneyard and we're miles away from each other. Like what was the point of giving me squad leader if we're not even going to decide to land in the same like area? It makes no sense. Like just do away with the whole squad leader system because it doesn't add up. It's basically pointless at this time. And then my biggest and last gripe with this game before we move on to topic number two is it's not standalone standalone to me means something completely different than what it means to infinity ward and activision apparently all right when you say you're going to come out with a standalone title that means i can download the game for free or for a, a cost whatever the case may be and i don't have to have anything else installed to play the game literally that was supposed to be the promise of warzone and plunder is it was a standalone experience that does not require you to have modern warfare however that was not the case we now learned that when you downloaded warzone in order to play warzone and plunder you had to download 85 gigabytes to play the game which was actually just them saying hey we need you to download modern warfare as a whole just so you can have access to warzone and plunder and basically the rest of the content of the game is cut off that's not standalone standalone is me being able to go to the battle.net launcher being able to select Warzone and Plunder, download it, play it. I never have to look at that awful mess that is Modern Warfare multiplayer and just play when I'm ready to without having to launch the Modern Warfare application. This is not standalone, people. I don't know where. Can somebody please Google standalone and send it to Activision, Blizzard, Infinity Ward, somebody? Because maybe i'm just dumb maybe my college education didn't hold up maybe public education has failed me people but last time i checked the definition of standalone did not require me to download a whole separate game to play one mode am i lost am i confused is it is it still monday tuesday see i don't even remember what day it is whatever but standalone apparently is not standalone anymore and that is my biggest gripe with this game so all in all when we're talking about call of duty warzone like can i recommend it to somebody yes i will recommend it if you have people to play with that's my preference if you want to play solo in warzone and br you can do that it's it's a good game it's an honest attempt it's much better than what we got with you know black ops blackout mode which we ain't gonna talk about um that abysmal mess but it was a way better attempt than blackout however this it's good a step in the right direction and i will recommend it but i will recommend it with an asterisk and be like download it and play it at your own free will that's all i got to say about call of duty modern warfare moving on to topic number two um gamestop closures now this shouldn't come no surprise to you that gamestop is going through a rough time right now everybody 
GameStop is probably one of the most beloved and recognized like names in gaming from like the early 90s for many of us, okay? I remember as a kid, basically, and back then we had a whole selection of like choices. You could get your games from Walmart. You can get your games from Kmart. You could go to EB Games. Do y'all remember EB Games Electronics Boutique? For those of you who are old enough or, you know, whatever the case may be. And then you also had GameStop. Yeah, I remember those. It was it was literally always a battle between Walmart, Kmart, EB Games and GameStop to get your business whenever a new game came out. However, you know, the day of EB Games, Kmart, Walmart, all that is soon coming to an end. Not immediately, but slowly because digital games and digital purchases have basically taken over physical copies. But sometimes you just love to have a physical copy in hand. And I, I recognize that and I'm not trying to diss physical purchases. I still have a couple myself, but most things are digital. But GameStop, they're really going through a hard time with declining profits and then they're not doing much in the way of their PR um, in the unrest of like what we're going through right now with COVID-19 and the whole, you know, coronavirus pandemic. First, they refused to close down their stores. They wanted to label themselves and their employees as essential personnel. Now, I looked up the definition of essential. Essential means like mandatory, very important, you know, it's just you have to have it. I never had a time in my life where I just sat back and be like, hmm, you know what? I just need to go to GameStop and see if they have Crash Bandicoot Racing on sale for 15% off. I've never had a moment in my life where like GameStop was that essential where I was like, hmm, GameStop is going to dictate my day and what I need to do. So the fact that they sat here and tried to label themselves as a central store and refused to shut down in the midst of this whole like COVID-19 pandemic and everything was insane to me. And honestly, they got what they deserve when they had employees like walk out and refuse to come into work. And then finally, the government mandated that they had to shut down in order to, you know, to take precautions for the betterment of their employees. So, you know, congrats to the government for getting one thing right <laughs> for GameStop trying to label themselves as essential. They've just been taking loss after loss. I mean, it was just came out in a report not even three days ago that just this year alone in 2020, GameStop is set to close over 320 stores in 2020 alone. Now let's go back and do some fact checking on GameStop and see why it's getting such a bad rap and why we may soon be on the end of GameStop as a whole as you know, the go-to place for your physical copies, okay? In 2019, they closed 321 stores worldwide, okay, across North America, Canada, and other countries, okay? They closed 150 stores back in 2017. In the third quarter of 2018, this company reported a net loss of $488.6 million in just a single quarter alone, the third quarter, which is the most important quarter of the year. The third quarter is basically when all of the holiday releases come out, like all your big name AAA titles, come out around like you know october november december because fourth quarter is actually like january february march of like fiscal years to be honest with you when you're doing it from the like a business fiscal calendar so to lose 488.6 million in the third quarter which is the busiest holiday shopping season for any company is huge not only that back in january of last year 2019 gamestop tried to off and sell the company but still, they were unable to find investors that were willing to take on the debt that they have accumulated or the loss of profit. And they recorded a year loss of $673 million 
for the year in 2019. So how they're still up and running is beyond me, but you know, they've got billions of dollars. So, you know, who am I to count their pockets and their wallets, right? And then the last thing is like back in, since 2018, they've laid off over a dozen regional managers and over 120 plus store associates since 2018. So the question is, what can GameStop do to basically restructure themselves to save you know, face and to become profitable again. Well, honestly, the biggest thing right now is what they're doing is basically eliminating stores. And I hate to say that because that's going to put so many hardworking people out of a job because those people have families and they're relying on that income, you know, as much or as meager, whatever you want to call it. Um, It's still a living at the end of the day. It's an honest, uh, honest living. Um, so they got to cut operating costs somehow. And then I see all these reports and all of these things on GameStop's website where they're talking about doing a couple of different things, um, such as like experimenting with social spaces where you can basically come in, um, you can do land tournaments with your friends, whether you do PC, PS4, Xbox, um, they're thinking about doing select stores where you come in and buy collectibles like Funko Pop and things of that nature. And then you also have like stores which are more in line with what we have now, where it's like basically filled to the brim with kiosks where you come in, you try select games on kiosks, you get a feel for them before you buy. So you know what you're getting and then you purchase the game and then you can go about your merry way. So They've been trying to do a whole myriad of things to save face and become profitable again. And I salute them for this. And look, I'll be the first person to say it. I buy all my games digital, okay? There's hardly a game I buy now that's physical, like DVD, any of that anymore. But I feel for the people who love their digital copies, even though we technically never own the games. And I get that. Whether you do digital or physical, there's still something to be said about having a physical copy in hand that makes you feel like your $60 purchase was worth it. Cause you know, back in the day of like Sega, Nintendo and all that, you got your cartridge, you got your CD, you were excited because you had like, you had the posters in the, you, you remember you had the posters, you had the user manual, you had the stickers, if it came with stickers, you had the hard copies, some books, some games came with comics things of that nature, right? And we don't get that anymore. Basically now, even if you go buy a physical copy, what do you get? You get a hard plastic case with a digital code that's still telling you to go buy the game or download it digitally. Like it's, it, it's, it's, a, it's a little paper thin DVD size thing with a digital code that's telling you to go download the game. I thought there was gonna be a physical CD in this case. It's a paper placeholder with a digital code still telling me to go download the, the digital game. I am, I am so confusion right now as to where we have gone with game development and marketing and placeholding, but it, it is what it is. I'm rooting for GameStop. I want GameStop to find something that's truly going to fill that niche market just so we can get back the experiences that we used to have because i enjoy physical copies there are many of you who play on physical copies and are not ready to go down the road of digital downloads that's cool but we have to do something or they have to do something to one fix their broken trade and return policy which has already been making people lose faith in them for a long time two they gotta prioritize employee safety and employee wellness especially in the time that we're living in now with the COVID-19 coronavirus. And three, they got to find a way to appeal to the gamers to make them wanna come in store, whether it's through digital or physical purchases, they gotta do something because they're losing out big time. 
other retailers are still holding on and are doing it successfully like Target, like Best Buy, like Walmart. Um, if you live in Canada, we talked about EB Games. EB Games is still a thing if you live in Canada. Why America shut down? I don't know, but that's a whole nother topic for a whole nother podcast. Um, but I'm rooting on you, GameStop. I hope you really get this shit together because it would be such a shame to see another well-known giant in the gaming industry go under especially one that we grew up with and i have fond memories of waiting in line to get my games with as a kid all right um we're going to move on to new and upcoming releases so for those of you who are looking for some new and upcoming gaming releases i've got a solid for you all right so here are a couple games i think you should check out if you don't already have them um and some that'll be coming out in the next upcoming days all right so first and foremost is doom eternal now for those of you who are fans and are familiar with Doom, you're not going to be disappointed. I had a chance to play this game. I do not own it, but I had the chance to finally play it. It is leagues ahead of 2016's Doom. That game, like Doom 2016 was already crack, okay? And e Eternal, just when you thought ID Software could not do themselves, they did, all right? It's basically, like I said, developed by um, ID, oh, well, id Software. Um, right now, it's currently sitting at a Metacritic score of 90, and it's available on PC, PS4, and Xbox. So if you enjoy first-person shooters, if you enjoy fast-paced mechanics, if you enjoy multiplayer, if you enjoy slaying you know, demons with shotguns and gore, then go check out Doom Eternal. You will not regret it. I highly recommend it, being that I have played it. And the soundtrack, the soundtrack is phenomenal. If you're into metal, if you're into heavy rock, if you're into something that'll get your adrenaline pumping and feed that bloodlust, Doom Eternal, out right now, PC, PS4, and Xbox. All right, Animal Crossing New Horizons. Now, I feel like I really don't have to explain this one because most of you are already on this wave already, but we're gonna go ahead and mention it. Animal Crossing New Horizons, um, developed by Nintendo, of course, for the Nintendo Switch. Currently sitting at a Metacritic score of 91 and you can play with up to eight players. All right. So you know what that means? You and seven more of your friends can finally take the getaway vacation that you dreamed of. And in the pursuit of doing that can fall hopelessly in debt. Thanks to Tom Nook. So available right now, Nintendo Switch, Animal Crossing New Horizons. Get in there, build your dream vacation, run Tom Nook his bells and send him my regards because I will not be coming on the island with you. But God bless you. All right. Um, releasing today, Persona 5 Royal. Now, for all of my Persona fans, this is for you. Um, if you love JRPGs, if you love RPGs in general, then you will love this. All right. It just came out today. It already has a Metacritic score of 95. It's developed by Atlas, the same company that's done all the Persona games up until this point. And it's available today on PS4. Um, so if you want to deal out justice behind the mask, if you want to do heists, if you want to take on a brand new persona and, you know, live your best life, then you can do that today on PlayStation. All right. Um, Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2 Remastered, um, a little sleeper hit that was hinted at, but finally came through the door is available today. Um, it's once again brought to you by the good people at Infinity Ward. It's available on PlayStation 4. Um, if you're on PC and Xbox, you will have to wait until April 30th. Personally, I don't know why they keep doing this. Like they keep releasing game modes and pushing back release dates for other platforms for a whole 30 days over PlayStation. To me, I think it's a bad business model. 
we're in a time and place where I don't have 30 days to be sitting here waiting for a game. If I ain't got the game at the same time another platform has the game, I don't just I just don't want the game. But you know, it is what it is. So if you want to go back and relive the glory days of Call of Duty and what is I consider the best version and the best game that ever graced the whole entire franchise, then you can go pick up Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2 Remastered available now on PlayStation 4 and on PC and Xbox on April 30th. Uh, Resident Evil 3 re Remake coming out on um, April 3rd for PC, PS4, and Xbox. It's developed by Capcom. Um, it's built on the same successful RE engine that was used in 2019's Resident Evil 2 Remake and 2017's Resident Evil 7. And the thing about this, and me and Chelsea were talking about this earlier, and we might talk about this a little bit more, is uh, purchasers of the game will be treated to RE Resistance, which is kind of like their new asymmetrical multiplayer mode where it's like a 4v1, four survivors and one player can take control of like the mastermind. So you can basically control the zombies, the traps and everything. And, um, you know, try to wipe out your friends or try to fight for survival. But once again, that will be available on April 3rd for PC, PS4 and Xbox. If you enjoy horror and gory games, Resident Evil 3 Remake, go pick that up. And then the last game that I know everybody is waiting for and is one of my most anticipated games is that Final Fantasy VII Remake. Um, being developed by Square Enix, who we all know and love, um, it's slated to be released in multi-episodes to give a complete story. Now, when I say that, people get really confused when we talk about multi-episodes. Like, they think, like, they're going to release, like, the game in incomplete, like, increments. No, what they're saying is basically... They're going to pull the same thing that they did with like think Final Fantasy 13 or Final Fantasy 10 where you have like 10 then 10 2 or 13 and 13 2 things of that nature. So Final Fantasy 7 remake will be slated for release on April 10th um, on the PS4 first. Now PC and Xbox are going to get their own versions. We just don't know when they told us to basically hold off and they will announce the dates for PC and Xbox ports. Um, but I've played the demo. I love the demo. I don't have a PlayStation. I had to borrow somebody else's PlayStation because that's how bad I wanted to play this game, y'all. And when I tell you it is gorgeous, it is gorgeous. You will love it. And I highly recommend that you pick this game up if you love Final Fantasy VII. So April 10th, PlayStation 4 owners, you're in for a treat. PC, Xbox, wait a little bit longer, but they say they got us. All right. So that is the topics for the day. Now, we've ran through a lot of topics, we've had a lot of discussion, and I'm very much excited for this next portion. This is what I get to do, and this is what I love about the podcast. Now, every so often, I get to invite special guests onto this show that um, all of you love, I love, and I want to get to know them a little bit more. And they honestly bring a good personality to Twitch and to the area of content creation. She was recommended by Cup. And anybody that Cup recommends is always an automatic like win in my book because Cup's word is bond. All right. That's how we rock. And that's what I appreciate about Cup. So with that being said, as you can see right here, right, right. Just follow my fingers if you're watching this on YouTube. Follow my fingers. We are going to sit down with none other than Miss Chelsea Bites, who is here on behalf of her community, the Bike Man. And we're going to be talking about several topics across gaming, tech, and life. I'm excited to have her here. You should be excited. So, with that being said, everybody, please help me in giving a warm applause and welcome to none other than Miss Chelsea Bites. Chelsea, are you here? I am here. 
I can see you. And, oh, <laughs> see, I can hear you perfectly. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. I'm glad to hear it. So well, I had to mute your stream. So I'm here now in no, the present. No, I understand completely, especially my stream. And sometimes I get very loud and animated. So I, I can understand completely. But uh, how are you feeling today? It's been a long time coming. We've been waiting to do this for like, what, two weeks or so? It's been a minute. I know <laughs> I got that tweet and I was like, where are all these tweets coming from? Who who has my name in their mouth? And and then I think everything blew up like shortly after that. So it's been a minute. It's been at least two to three weeks. But yeah, here we are. Finally. Yes. And we, thought. Who, not me. <laughs> that, that whole Paul Rudd meme, we have to do yes. that. Who would have thought? I not, love that. That's my favorite. Not yes. me. Not me. <laughs> but I think this is honestly a good fit because when Cup recommended you, and I've honestly already knew of you, and I've been in your streams before. You've, you've seen me in there before. But, oh, yeah. But just the simple fact, like, to me, and we've had this conversation even before the podcast started. Um, before we get into like the questions interviews like chat y'all gotta y'all gotta realize we talk before we go live on these podcasts i just appreciate having somebody of high energy and big personality to bounce off of because me and i'm very calm i'm very collected and sometimes i'm like very like nonchalant and that's just me i can't help that that's my personality traits but to bring you on and to see your energy, to see everything that you just exude when you go live and people love you for it. And to have that as like it, it, it just uh, it, ma it makes it so much more exciting to do this like podcast. I, I kind of know that I have a, like a high energy level just from interacting with people, but you never know how people see you. So it's nice to give that feedback. Like I like to tell, just like how I said before the podcast, when I see your stream, it's high quality. Your voice is awesome. You're relaxing. That's like key for me. Like while I'm high energy, I enjoy relaxing, chill streamers. So for me, that's like 10 out of 10. But yeah, I know they're probably talking all that trash. Thank you. All here is being so sweet. <laughs> I see nice. this. And definitely... Mm -hmm. And definitely, I want to say this. Shout out to the entire Bike Command community. There's many of you who are here right now in the Twitch chat. For those of you who are listening to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you enjoy your podcast. By the way, that's another plug. Go, go do that. You won't be able to experience this. It's nothing like being and doing this live on Twitch and seeing all of the Bike Command emotes, the support, the community members all in one space, like to celebrate their favorite streamer. And so... I wish I could give people who are listening to this that experience, but you'll have to go back and watch the VOD. But I want to thank y'all. The Bike Command, thank y'all for showing up and supporting your favorite streamer. Um, shout out to all of you um, just thank as God. much as Chelsea. Y'all are awesome. They, they never cease to amaze me. We've done events before, and it makes me, like, tear up every time just to see them come in with emotes and supporting and no matter how much trash i talk and how much trash we throw around together they are still near and dear to my heart even though i got words for all of them all the time get mango out of here look at him <laughs> <laughs> but we, yeah yeah 
we will definitely have some words for mango and we will get on the subject of mango because you know mango you're not left out of this discussion we, we gonna bring you into this too in some way <laughs> some form all right he just um, said huh <laughs> <laughs> i mean not not oh, physically man. on camera but mango if you think you're like left out no you're not left out all right <laughs> no you're not no i'll make sure of it so she yeah she will. For those people who select few individuals who have never met Chelsea, like I always have to open this and it's always customary with inner interview. Tell us who is Chelsea Bites. Like give us a brief rundown on who you are, your background, just everything you would want us to know. What I want you to know is, is that Chelsea, the person behind Chelsea Bites is a very, very laid back, chill, uh, sometimes introverted, most times extroverted, uh, just person. I, I like playing video games. I like people. I don't know if that's a, a crux. I know Mango is like, man, you like people too much. You talk too much. But I like talking to people. I like expressing myself in many different ways. If not computer science, if not uh, math, then it's art. It's acting it's a whole bunch of things i love to sing i love to dance that's one side they haven't they haven't seen yet they haven't seen me bust a rug yet but wait a second yeah so, so i just, know right so just <laughs> j just dance stream in the oh future? oh maybe yeah we might have to pull out a just dance i don't see just dance streamers get a whole stigma but that's a whole nother stream like that's a whole nother discussion but i would love to do it i love just dance but uh that's Chelsea behind Chelsea Bites. Chelsea Bites, if we're going towards like a mission, it's kind of to break down the image of what a computer scientist looks like. Mm -hmm. So when you imagine a computer scientist, uh, a lot of people probably think South Asian or Caucasian. And they're uh, wearing their polos and their khakis and they're in Silicon Valley and they're nerdy and they're kind of, you know, just slumming it. But I'm a computer scientist and I don't look like that. And when I watch shows like Silicon Valley or other things like that, I don't see a lot of me. So I'm trying to show that not only do computer scientists look like me mm -hmm. or anyone in the engineering field, we're not just introverted. Oh, we we're math nerds in this. No, we're we like to do things outside of that. We have other interests. So. It's kind of just to break down the mold. And I'm hoping that in the future, we can further push that mission statement of Chelsea Bites and include everyone, not just tech and nerd enthusiasts and people who like games, but just kind of spread it and make it a cohesive, you know, group for everyone. And I think that's important because like, it doesn't have to be mutually ex exclusive to like one particular like field, like tech like has to be just gaming or just computer scientists programming things of that nature it doesn't have to be mutually exclusive um and you're a very multi-dimensional person so of course we would expect you to have very multi-dimensional interests hobbies everything that goes into making the wonderful person that we love to see today so i think that's that's a great way to actually put it though to get us yeah. started that people are people mm-hmm <laughs> exactly you think, right you think you think that would be it but it's so easy for people to put that uh it's easy for people to judge so they give everybody a stereotype and we're here to break those stereotypes down i like it stereotype like just breaking those down it's it's what we got to do okay um so on that note you talk about extracurricular activities and hobbies so obviously the most noticeable one is we're here on twitch 
and Twitch is very is very heavily gaming focused. Um, even though we have just chatting, we have art, and we have all these different categories that we love, and I love to go to these streams and see them. We're definitely still very much, you know, people regard Twitch as like the gaming center for like live streaming. So, mm -hmm. who got you started in the world of gaming, and basically, what age were you when you remember picking up your very first game? So specifically on just anything tech game related it was mostly my dad he was really a self-made person so a lot of the stuff that he did uh he went and searched it out for himself mm -hmm. so i was lucky to get that from him when it came to video games though uh the first games that he showed me were literally resident evil and tomb raider so watching him play it it was cool because it was, you know, those were games that, you know, your mother didn't want you to play. They were super gory, super violent. Yeah. So I used to I watch, I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> and and now that you look back at those games, it's like you couldn't even comprehend what was really going on. Everything was super blocky. It wasn't even like everything is so realistic now. Yes. But um, yeah, those games got me into wanting to play. So, of course, I was on my, whenever I got to get on a PC back then, I got to get on MSDOS. If anybody remembers what those little, it was like mm -hmm. a hub of games mm -hmm. of just, you know, crappy 8-bit, <laughs> just, just little incomprehensible games. So, those were where I first started playing games. Then I finally got a Dreamcast. I played Toy Soldier so much. And then upgraded from that to a GameCube, and it just kind of snowballed from there. I've been a Sony, I've been a PlayStation person for a long time. I've never picked up an Xbox. Yeah, it just never, like, Halo's cool, but it's just never been in my realm of games. That's fine, and, that's fine. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I know, it's, hey, I respect it. I respect the franchise. Bungie went all out, but, you know, I, mm, I just never stepped into it. But yeah, that's basically my rundown of who got me into games and where I'm at today. And I, I think that's really, honestly, that's honestly a great start to see that not only was your dad able to share a love of something he loved with you, which honestly just creates a stronger bond, but to see it still carry it over and maybe like, you know, one day in the future when you have your own family, like that would be something you'll be able to bond with your own children with. And that's kind of like laying the foundation of like, how you keep them grounded, how you keep communication going. Um, but when you talked about MS, uh, MSDOS, the first thing, and somebody talked about this in the chat, and I was thinking this in my head, is like those games on floppy disks. I remember back in the day when the only games we were allowed to have, especially in school, even though they, they were educational, but they were still considered video games. Do you remember MSDOS? Oh my God. Do you remember that godforsaken game, Oregon Trail? Do you remember yes, that game? Of course. Uh, I always lost half my family down the river because <laughs> I was just really unlucky when it came to river. How could you, you know, that game started off as like a text based game. Like yes. literally you have a piece of paper and it would just print out and you just have to type in what you did next. They used to be 10 times worse than that. <laughs> oh my God. The, and the fact that it started out text-based and then they slowly like came out with the updated visuals like with your wagon with you losing like your dog and like things breaking and getting tagged by politically correct now indigenous people 
so we're politically yes. correct now but this is so it's, yeah it's nuts i didn't even think about that when i was younger i think we've at least we've risen in respect levels we were getting better but it's that stuff that like literally i was just like oh that's normal you know that's 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 us <laughs> and now i look back i'm like that did not age well whatsoever mm -mm. Mm -mm. Mm -mm. I don't. I don't think we could do Oregon Trail to the same uh, extent that we did it back then. I'm. I'm guaranteeing you, that is not gonna go over so well. Mm -mm, absolutely not. I see y'all talking about how your wagon wheels broke. Yes. Oh, you were playing that. That somebody was playing that not too long ago. That's. You're wild. You are, and hats mm -hmm. off to you, cause you. You a good one, cause I'm not touching Oregon Trail. That game I'm left done. that game left me traumatized. I know even to this day I will never beat that game. There, actually, do you really ever beat Oregon Trail? Is there really a way to ever win, really? No, because I think every time somebody ended up at the end, they had lost so much. They had lost so like it was either just them and their wife or just them and their kid and maybe one horse in a wagon. I it, it was <laughs> I'm like what's it worth at that point? Just take me. Take me. Yeah. It's like you don't took you don't took my dog, you don't took my wife, you don't took my kids. Like I'm on three the dog wagons. Was enough. The, the dog, dog was, was enough. To the, quit. The, the, <laughs> the dog was enough, but then you took the wife, the kids. I'm basically left out here with like just me, myself, and I in like one broke down wagon wheel. Just, 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 just go ahead and take me too. There's really no way to really win this scenario. But what life? Am, yeah, what life am I living? A lot of us should have a lot more family issues behind that game and other games, but Bruh. and actually hitting back and speaking of that, hitting back on my dad. So my dad played games when I was younger. Mm -hmm. Now, mind you, I am the oldest of my siblings, and my mother had me when she was in college. So they were very, very young. They were just getting their first jobs after they graduated. I was there when my mother walked down the uh, the aisle for her graduation. I was also there when they nice. were married because my parents weren't married either. So for me, I was there for their wedding. Nice. And I got to see a lot of the stuff that parents, you know, have to bicker and fight and argue about mm -hmm. because now they got a kid on top of it. So my dad kind of evolved from playing games and having a job to owning a business and cutting games off all together because he Whoa. started I know my mom she's not a gamer at all like she doesn't even really play like phone games she thought it was like childish for you to play video games she she didn't like that you know when she either came home or he came home and I was home and he would play on his console she was like, there's other stuff that there's more productive things that you could be doing. So for me, unfortunately, my dad started to cut off games the older I got. And event and now he just doesn't play any. And I see it in his eyes. Like, I remember when Dead by Daylight came out. And I think they either brought, uh, I forgot which character. I think it was Michael or one of the the characters from a horror movie. He saw that and he got excited. Because he's like, oh, that looks really cool. I I haven't seen him in a game in a minute exactly and you're right and for me i always thought that was just like something that we missed out on like i try to push him to play video games he's really he's really just stuck in his ways he's like no no i'm not a child anymore i don't play games i'm like that's something we can bond over that's something exactly. that we can do together and we bond across many other things i'm not worried about that but it is something that i would like to you know explore 
and yeah. and I see that I think that's important because so many times like growing up and thankfully my I didn't have the similar experience my mom basically that was her way of keeping me like grounded in the house because yes. my mom was the type I came up in a single parent household so it was already tough because my mom worked two or three jobs um at a time but she basically the way she was able to connect with me and keep me grounded like through the years was through my love of video games because first one was sega genesis she got it for me like in first or second grade because like i you know i was always and i've always been an overachiever when it came to like my grades and like my schooling and everything so she Good. so she figured <laughs> so she figured like video games couldn't hurt because it would keep me grounded and like you know it would give me an incentive to stay on top of my schooling because if i did well if i did my chores and all this other stuff and you know maintained what need to be maintained then you know i could get a new video game and that would keep me like out of the streets and from doing some of the stuff that my some of my friends like down the road you know and eventually end up getting locked up for you know otherwise we're not going to mm -hmm. talk about that but you you know how it goes but oh i do yeah absolutely but, but that was her way of keeping me out of the streets and keeping me grounded was through a love of video games and then so she never curtailed my love of video games because it just became a part of me and then when people say you know the notion that games are for kids i always tell people like who do you think makes these games because i guarantee you there's not a six-year-old like sitting behind an office cubicle that's like doing a 3d rendering model of like an ogre for the next world of warcraft update so you know games are developed by adults for everybody especially other adults in this time of age because you never truly outgrow games you just find something that you gravitate towards and it evolves with you as you get older, just like tasting movies and music change, your tasting games change the older you get. Mine absolutely did. I think for a while, I thought I was going to be too afraid to play horror games. And then I started to just pick them up more and more. And now it's kind of a large part of my, it might not necessarily be on Twitch. You might not see me playing and stressing myself out in front of a lot of people, but it is a large portion of my library. Now, back then, I used to play a lot of, like, Animal Crossing. Believe it or not, my favorite game to play was Mickey and the Magic Mirror. I remember that game. Right? And, and hey, I know you'll look and be like, this, this is actually a kid's game. That game was so in-depth. Mm -hmm. And it, had, it was, like, a huge collection of mini games that were actually fun. And you actually felt like you were getting lost and things were getting hopeless good game so i evolved from that to maybe i started playing a little more cat if you remember the Catwoman gamecube game i played yes. that <laughs> i know a lot that. of people trash it but i loved it <laughs> and i know i know and then i moved on and i just kind of developed from there god of war has still been and probably still will be my favorite series because it's just overall the good balance of violence and story mm -hmm. it's great yeah and see, I'm glad you brought up God of War, and I'm no, I'm glad you brought up God of War because even now, seeing like you the other day, because I I come in streams and I lurk, and to see you go back and replaying like the classic God of War, like one through three, and to see you like going back to, and it blows my mind because back then those graphics, we talk about the gore and everything, like it was like our parents were like, no, 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 you can't play those games, they're uber violent, uber gory, and now we look back, it's like. 
this was just pixelated right ma- just pixelated it was man- ketchup yeah, it was ketchup that's what it was because i be- i was playing it honestly had me laughing my butt off yesterday i was done that game i would actually let my uh youngest play that because uh, except for and, and mind you we'd have to monitor those uh those nude scenes because yes. back mm-hmm. then Hey, they actually went all out back then on those news. <laughs> they they did. Um They did their best. Those were actually pretty hmm. But uh yeah, everything else with the the monsters and the blood, that was nothing. That was nothing. No, not compared to what we have today. It's um yeah, <laughs> to say the least. Oh yeah, now you really think it's blood. You're like, "Oh, wait, is that my- mine? Did mm. I bleed?" Oh. Oh god. And it just shocks me because some things I see for me and I'm a grown adult. I'm just like, that was a little too much blood even for me. So I know the way that games are developing. I was like, whenever I have a family, I was like, I know there's some games I you just mm-hmm. can you can not play. Yes, you cannot. <laughs> Resident Evil 7 still disgusts me to this day. Like just that first part when you're in their home. Mm-hmm. And you just see the guts and things just all over the place. Like, it made my skin crawl. Like, mm-hmm. I played that game, and I don't know if people remember. I I fought Jack. I fought the dad. There's, mm-hmm. like, a boss battle. I physically started getting sick because <laughs> I was like, yo. And I know it's not that real, but just the stress because he was beating my butt. He was really, like, kicking my butt that night. Just the stress of me just sitting like this and being freaked out by all the moving parts and the and the gore and him just taking this chainsaw and not flinching, I was like, all right, I gotta put this down. This is too much. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, like this, this ba- first time, first that, time again made me feel sick. That's basically where you just like I draw the line. Like mm-hmm. you know, it's like I have a very like I have a very high line. It's hard to cross, but you know, sometimes you just meet that one game. You're just like, nah, this ain't it, Chief right so no i'm 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 glad you brought that up too but some of these games for my children i'm like mm, no not nah, little buddy you're gonna have to be a little bit older before we can let you have that oh um, no, we gotta we gotta wait for that yeah definitely gotta but parents and despite what people believe parents are really good at monitoring their kids games they are I, i'm surprised i i thought that we would have issues no parents aren't dumb they look at your games and they're like hmm no <laughs> they move it on exactly mm-hmm. and so i'm i'm salute to all the parents out there that are actually looking at the content of the games you get for your children ahead of time mm-hmm. and to those of you who are just buying the games and not looking at it well please do it's better different. it's different <laughs> from when we were young it's yes. so different i you could probably let something slide because the developers didn't know how to get those angles right but now they've got all the tries, all the little vertices to make it smooth and realistic. Mm-hmm. It will pop on screen. <laughs> it will. It will. So, you know, don't be surprised when you see, when you walk into your room and you see little Timmy with all like the smooth 3D rendering. You're like, oh, I thought this was going to be pixels. And, and no, there's no more pixels and polygons. And no. It's, oh, it's they call they call that stylistic now. You know that the yes. the little the 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 little three D poly giant blocky style. It's a style now. Really, <laughs> it used to be it used to be our standard, but now it's a style. 
Some styles just need to stay in the past. That's all I got to say. Mm-hmm. Just, mm-hmm. We have come such a long way. <laughs> we have. All right. So let me go into this next topic because it's also important because not only are you just a gamer, but you mentioned before um, computer scientists. And I think this is one of the dopest things that attracted me to you when I first came across your channel and just me as a whole, just you as a person, not even just a streamer, just as a person. So speak to me a little bit about what or who motivated you, you know, especially as a woman of color to get into the tech industry, especially going down the role of computer scientists. So I, my parents aren't from a CS background or anything. I didn't really have much to pull from except my grandpa when it came to what I wanted to do in the future. And I, and of course, I feel like it's really hard to put something on a kid's head, like asking them, what do you want to do with your life? Mm -hmm. You got to go to college and you got to know what you want to do the first year. And that's hard, but I was really lucky to have so many entrepreneurial examples. Both my parents, by the time that I was even in, um, let's say like elementary, middle school, they owned their own businesses. Oh, so okay. yes. So uh, by that time, when I got older, I was like, well, I clearly want something for myself because my parents have something for themselves. And my grandpa kind of honed that for me because he worked for NASA. He was a Q&A engineer. So while he would, he passed a few years back, actually, but uh, he still has left a huge, huge impression on everybody in our family's lives. And one of the biggest ones he left with me was when he took me to NASA for, you know, all of bring your kids to work day. He could have brought, you know, anybody else in the family because we have a large family there are so many kids so many grandkids that he has but he picked me so being able to go and experience a work environment and it was a young age I didn't completely comprehend everything but I knew that what my grandpa did was cool and I knew it was important because when you see all those shiny buttons on the wall and you see people sitting around the computers you're like oh this is serious what is this because mm-hmm, you're basically yeah. you basically got somebody else's life in your hands, like whether yes. you know it or not. Mm-hmm. He taught me that. He told me that everybody in that building had an important and it looks so boring when you're going up because we didn't go to like the Space Center. You know, we're, I'm from Space City. So I had already seen the Space Center so many times. No, we went in the back with all the giant uniform, tall, white buildings and everything looks the same. And I'm just like, what are we doing? But when you get in and you actually meet who he's working with and you're so young, but I still was able to at least grasp, oh, pop, you know, my papa, he likes what he does. It's really Mm -hmm. cool. And look at all these shiny little buttons. They do things. And I think that kind of set me off from there. And while I didn't go into exactly what I expected when I first started, I started computer engineering Mm -hmm. and that's mostly hardware. So I was more designing PCBs, you know, reading diagrams, setting things up and uh, soldering, you know, because that's what are they going to what else are they going to teach you your first year in college? They're not going to go into all the, you know, every single equation. And no, teach all the electrical stuff. exactly. So my first year I got into soldering and, you know, at least reading diagrams properly and going through that. And I was like, this isn't as flexible as I would like it to be like mm-hmm. it's. It's it's not as uh, 
it's not as as inventive as I thought it was going to be. But I still hadn't caught on to that. And a lot of stuff happened in college. My mom had another baby. I'm from a family of five. So that was when my brother popped out. Yeah, my brother popped out. I went to Howard. And Howard was already having a whole bunch of just it was just a wild situation uh, Mm -hmm. going on in that whole year of undergrad. So on top of that, my brother finally being welcomed into the world, I moved back home and it was really hard for me to get back into the engineering department because a lot of my courses, since it's an HBCU, and then we're going to a uh, yes, a lot of my courses weren't accepted. I had to play like a catch up game because I spent a lot of time. You know, I come from my family's a working background, so I had to get a job. So I had to support myself ish because they're still my family and they still want me to have somewhere to stay. Mm -hmm. So I had bills that I had to pay. I had to go through and get like side night. Well, not even night classes, just side classes just to kind of tend it over while I situated myself. And then I found computer science. And from there, I had to. (laughs) It was really funny because. When I was taking my first CS class, I got an interview with somebody. Was it from Intel? You you slid me that interview from Intel. Ooh. And I had just, it was only my first year. I had not taken, I had not finished a single CS course. A single one. And the man asked me, he's like, hey, so uh, what are you practicing? What languages do you know? I was like, oh, I'm, I'm learning C++. This is great. You know, I, we're working on these skills. He's like, so uh, how many classes did you use for uh, your your program? I was like, uh, classes? Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I drew a blank. And he just <laughs> cut the interview right there. He's like, okay, that's all I need to know. Thank you so much. Boom. And that was my first interview, like, ever. <laughs> it was so nerve-wracking. It was in my truck. I was sitting in my truck because I had nowhere else to take this interview. But I, that was a it, it was a wild experience, but it was like a way to be like, OK, I need to get on my game. And then from there, I started picking up languages. I found myself in more research positions okay. and more uh, where I ended up taking the lead on these projects because, you know, people are awkward. So when they hear someone like me who's really, you know, vocal forward, they assume that I have it. They're like, oh, she sounds like she knows what she's doing. Mm-hmm. I don't want to sound like that because I really don't. But I went through. <laughs> I went through and I was like, okay, well, since we all don't know what we're doing, let me go ahead, do the research and get us at least a workflow, a timeline. Let's put it down. So that's kind of what led to me doing research uh, in school. I was lucky enough to get picked up on a research project. That was fun. I did some work with a company in D.C., that was a nightmare, but that was a learning. Ex- Every bad experience is a good experience because you learn something. Wait, wait, you got to tell us a little bit about the DC one. Why was that one a nightmare in particular? Woo, okay. I know I've kind of launched off into all this. No, no, you're fine. You're fine. <laughs> oh, no, yeah, yeah, absolutely. With the Before I got into my research, I did research at South Dakota State. Okay. I had a co-op with a company and I won't even won't even go into the name but I did a co-op with a company that was based in Maryland and uh, they were just scouting uh mostly HBCUs they were looking for computer scientists and programmers just whatever your experience they were go- they were willing to bring you on okay and you started as an apprentice like most programs do like yeah. most programs do 
So I had gotten this from Mango because he's like, you need to be grabbing any and every opportunity out there. I said, great. I interviewed. They had us do a Java program where they wanted us to design a menu, basically, like a circular menu. And you were able to select each item on that menu, just a preliminary test. I did that. And quickly, once I was brought through that process, I realized that there was like no real plan. The project was, it, well, the whole program was project-based. And there were just so many ifs and wins and maybes, but there was always some big company evolved. Like apparently for one of the prototypes that we made, we were doing it for the, uh, for the Secretary of Defense. And it blew my mind because I was like, I didn't get, like if, if this was for the Secretary of Defense, I feel like we all would have been vetted there would have been way a, a very long requirements list and we would have had a much bigger team it was just a team of like four or five of us and each Whoa. one of us was a specialist yes yes each one one of us was a specialist i think i had a we had a computer security specialist we had somebody who was more on the design side of the team we i was the uh hardware and software specialist because i had at least had some experience with hardware before and we also had another general programmer. That was so stressful because not only was the program leader disorganized and there was no real like communication mm. when it came mm. to, you know, deciding what the next steps would be. I literally basically put parts, I mean, I put our physical prototype together and I also coded our physical, pro I mean, our prototype. So a lot of that was all me. And while it wasn't the right way to go about things, it taught me a lot about, okay, this is how a working environment should be. Because mm -hmm. this is ridiculous. I, I got calls from my director late, late at night, like, oh, I need this deadline by blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, well, I wish you would have emailed me that. That would have been nice, you know, like a week ago. It was stressful. I would have been so emailed. I would have been calling or emailing somebody back because like, hey, look, you realize you call me at 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock at night about a deadline. Yeah. I, I am an apprentice. Like, yes. I, 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 yes. At, at this point, was this even a paid apprenticeship or was this just, just mm. a... Oh, we can. Okay. So the pay part, bruh. Oh, well, I didn't get paid for months. I didn't get paid for months. Like I had to pull teeth to uh Whoa, okay just to get, yeah and i didn't think after that i i have not had any issues with payments so when i hear stories about people not getting their pay on time it's crazy how common it is but people will really just try to step on you and they'll step on your needs they're like oh you don't need this i need this and i'm selfish and you're just out here trying to you know get some experience and i'm like no i you're taking up clearly you want me to be available at 10 p.m so I'm gonna need 10 p.m. money. I don't know what you think this is, but um, yeah. So after about, I think that was like six months. I think that was like six. It was either six or eight months that I was just like, all right, this is too disorganized. There's nothing else useful that's coming out of this other than maybe me meeting other people. I did get to meet a lovely contact who also, but I honestly could have, I could have probably worked that contact out myself because that was just another uh, acquaintance at NASA. Yeah. And my grandpa who had already introduced me to some people, I'm sure he had known her as well. So other than meeting people 
and learning the workflow that I preferred, I didn't get what I expected, which was somebody who knew what they wanted and a an agile team. That's what they like to say nowadays. Yeah. Uh, an agile workplace. Mm-hmm. So while it was while it came with a lot of stress, I still learned a lot. That is actually impressive that you came out of that situation and you were better for it. Cause sometimes I hate to say you got a whole host. Look at you. Oh, oh, oh. Um <laughs> I um yeah, I was not expecting oh, that one. I shouldn't have said nothing. <laughs> I shouldn't have said nothing. My bad. We should have nah, kept going. No, nah, no, you good. I, I'm gonna go ahead and break the fourth <laughs> wall for this one. Yo, Cup, thank you so much for that monstrous host. I appreciate you. Um, we gonna get to talking about you here in a little bit, Cup as well too. But thank you so much for that host and that raid. Welcome Raiders. Um, welcome, are you nudes? What's up? Oh, she said, "Wow, they said her head was big." Oh, they're so rude. Wow. Wow. Hi, Kason. Nice to see you. I'm they, I'm I'm done breaking the fourth wall. They're they're your friends and supporters one minute one minute and then they turn coat on you the next (laughs) only on twitch only on twitch do they say they love you and then they talk about how big your forehead is Mm -hmm. it's no in between it's never 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 but welcome all of you people dropping nudes in the chat and for those of you who are listening on apple Podcasts, spotify youtube i'm gonna keep saying it because i'm gonna keep plugging it but for all of those of you who are listening when they raid they drop nudes you have to see the video on YouTube to understand, all right? <laughs> so not mean to break the fourth wall on that one. But what I was trying to get at is like, it's amazing that you broke through and you were able to come out of that situation in still such a positive fashion and still motivated to want to be in this in this field. Because one, it's a very highly competitive field. And two, it's also so fast paced that what you spoke about is true. Like when you look at a development team or a computer science team, anything that deals with tech, they want you to be agile. They want you to be able to self-start projects. They want you to be able to like, if you don't know something, that's fine, but we need you to ramp up and self-learn so we can, you know, get from A to B. And I think that's the biggest part of it is like being able to self-learn. I will say that my husband definitely had, his uh, family comes from a heavily educational background. Not only were his parents, not only are his parents professors, but so were their parents. So they are steeped in a line of provosts, professors, like all of that. They, they have the educational resources I could dream of. Now, I noticed that when he is working, Mm-hmm. A lot of his work deals with him delving into new stuff. And he spends a lot of his time learning and learning and learning. And you think, you know, you do, you know, you go, you get your bachelor's and your master's. What else you got to learn, right? True. No. Yeah, no. In, in, in his realm, there's still so much, especially when you're working, because not they want you to do so much more. Mm-hmm. And. I noticed that in our field, it's like not only do you have to know the stuff that is existing, you also got to learn the stuff that's being developed. Exactly. And the stuff that's coming and the stuff that's being thought of. Like it's, it's, you're never going to stop learning when you come into tech. Absolutely. No. And you can't afford to because it's, it just mm-hmm. evolves at such a fast pace, especially, and I'll even talk about this. Like people ask me, like, Cause I, I'm a full stack developer. Like I, you're a computer scientist. So you go at the, 
you have everything I have and plus like even like the bare like the low level languages like C, C++, all of that. I have a I have a no. I have a I have a bare minimum knowledge of it, so I can't play in that realm, but I have like just enough to like say I can understand it. But when people ask me like what would I rather be in, like full like front end or back end development as a programmer, I said honestly, give me back end because front end between like a different iteration of javascript coming out every single year between like the way like you know right now like people build apps and stuff with react it used to be angular and there's always mm -hmm. going to be a new framework or something always i'm like mm -hmm. look get me back in because back end moves at a much slower pace front end yes. you got to keep up with every single new framework every single like iteration of a language every single year because it changes the syntax changes everything it absolutely does and i think it's funny because uh i think since we weren't so visual back then when we were you know starting out when computer science really started to and, and that you know of course this is before my time but when computer science really started to boom it wasn't supposed to look good it was just supposed to work mm -hmm. so when we had those languages those libraries and everything set it's like this works so everything's going to be built off of it Mm -hmm. Yeah, we're going to put everything in C. So you don't, they didn't want those things to change. And that's why backend is so, I won't say, I won't say static, but it doesn't change as much as front end. Exactly. Because exactly. Like things, you see how much Twitch changes on the regular. Like they get a new look like every five, six months now, there's something new being added. Mm -hmm. With visual things things move faster new things are being developed it's it's a sexier language i like to think i remember when you couldn't get a job with javascript and now you can just have javascript alone and get a job mm -hmm. i think things are changing so for me personally i feel like if you want to you know set it and forget it back end is where you are because it's more You'll look at it and you'll immediately understand it. If you have that training behind it, it's like, okay, I know how a database works. There we go. Versus like, oh, <laughs> what, which program do I want to use to design a website today? Like there's so many ways you can do it. Exactly. So, yeah, exactly. Now for me, uh, because I, uh, I don't come from ACS background, I've always had to kind of figure things out myself. I think I'm starting to lean more front end okay. because I like making things look a certain way, but then I also like back end because I like the computational power behind it. Like I like the idea of being able to make my own database. It's mm -hmm. actually, and, and I'm a, I know I'm telling everybody this, but I would love, love, love. This is something that I want to implement in my stream. I would love to be able to take all of my subscriber data and the byte command was always about computers. So I wanted to make everybody a RAM stick and Ooh. put them on a motherboard and they would be in a database, but I would also have like a front end web page. So everybody could see their subs in the byte computer and you get to see your name on a RAM stick with all your little data and just a simple, but you know, creative way of expressing how code can really just up your engagement, you know, with your chat. Like, exactly. oh, hey, you've just been added to the byte computer. Here, check out this link. And they're like, what? What do you mean a link? And they go and look and they're there with like, you know, a whole bunch of other subs. 
I think that'd be cool. <laughs> I think honestly that would be amazing, and it's a, it's a great way and a great fit to bring two interests and two you know two aspects of your life together between Twitch, your subscribers, and the people who come to view you, and what you do in a day to day, and just the love of like what fuels and what makes it all work. Because we look at all of this right here, like the way everybody's listening to us now, the way that they're seeing us. All of this had to be programmed. All of this had to be developed by a group of minds or somebody who had an idea like, hey, this is what this is yeah. how technology can benefit our lives. And this is what we can do to, like, make social connection more possible, like in the modern age. Like all of this comes from somebody's like grand scheme. And like exactly how many times have you not complained about Twitch's mobile app? Can mm -hmm. we get more? Mo how many times have you not complained about Twitch's mobile app? We get on Twitch mobile and what do people say? Oh, I can't see. Oh, wait, what'd you do? It's it's like we still have little things that need to be worked out. So please get into mobile development. There is development for every facet of the Internet. There's so many ways to make things better. So, yeah, if that's what you want to do, I would highly recommend it because that's just one of those areas I feel just needs that extra that extra push especially on Twitch. Exactly. And then mobile development. I'm not going to go too far off on the tangent on this one, but it's, it's just fascinating that we're even talking about this because some of you are viewing and listening on mobile right now. Like, it's one thing to program for a desktop and a laptop, like screen resolution, size, and things of that nature. That's fine because, you know, nowadays everything is, I don't know, it's very adaptable. It's very adaptive, mm -hmm. like adaptive design is what they say. But for mobile, you have to go the next step above because you have you have the Android OS. I mean, you have the Apple OS. You have the Android. Um, you have so many different screen resolutions, so many different sizes. Yes. You have it's so hard. It's hard, and literally, you can make a career in just that alone, and that in itself is like a livable income. But it constantly changes because constantly we're asking even mobile devices, not even phones, but tablets to keep up mm -hmm. and to compute more and to do more, to be more versatile while still being on the go. So we it's want things. Yeah, we want things to be thinner. We want things to run faster. We want things to look better. We're asking a lot for hardware and then we have to have the software keep up. Like mm -hmm. it's not even worth it to have good hardware when your software can't even utilize it. It's it's effort on both sides, but software wise, it's double that because they have to not only work with that hardware, but they also have to please the different basically customers that they're working. With. It's it's not shoot, mm. so that's a lot. It is, and so anytime like I have to do a project or I have to do something for a customer and they want to throw in mobile development, I'm like how many devices are we testing this for like what's the os um what's the time frame because yeah. if, if you think this is going to get done overnight you are sadly mistaken because there's so much you have to account for when you get into the mobile the development right the importance of a requirements list <laughs> yes so it, it just it blows my mind all right so let me also ask you this too because we're going to kind of double back on this as well too because we talked about programming languages but there's one more thing i want to ask you before we get to that so and you may have touched on this recall a specific time where you felt like you defeated and you just thought about giving up being into computer science or the tech field like is there a, an example that stands out more so than anything else 
Oh, and you think you think that the example with uh, that company where that, you know, I had somebody call me like every hour of the night or whatever, that would be like, geez, this is this is where I quit. Uh, no, that wasn't it for me. I uh, I think it was like my sophomore junior year in college. Uh, again, <laughs> while, uh, you know. I from the household I come from, it's always family first. Mm-hmm. So responsibilities uh, and taking care of yourself and your family was a big deal. So there was a time where I had a job. I was going to school full time. Uh, and then I and doing the com- I commuted too. I wasn't staying on campus. I was at home with my family. Which uh, is so, which, which is an honestly all good because it allows you to save some money while still trying to catch right. up on classes. So, right. Yeah. And, and that's never. Yeah. If that's it really just depends on your situation. If uh, you have that environment at home where you can study and it's not hard to get to school, uh, go for it. Uh, for me, uh, it was kind of hard because I had an odd job that was at odd hours. I would be up super, super early in the morning and I'd have to be back. I was in my mother works with children. I, too, love working with children. So I was in a before and after care program. Okay. Um. So of course it was before school and after school. So I would have to go there at like 5 a.m. And then right after that, I have to fight traffic to get to school. All of my classes were bunched together in that period of time because I had to get back on the road and get back to work. And then just because you're done with work, uh, you got to go home to four other kids, mm-hmm. which you do have to feed and you do have to, you live in somebody's house, even if it's your parents, when you live in somebody's house, you got to clean up, you know, you got to do your part because, mm-hmm. you know, my parents, I know some people paid rent. My parents weren't those type of parents, but they definitely were like, oh, you going to do some legwork around the house. So depending on what type of day it was, it could be maybe another hour or, you know, hour and a half, two hours of waiting for dinner to be done and getting everything cleaned up and read, I'm ready and stuff. So it would be like eight, nine o'clock. When I would finally sit down, because, you know, school's done. It's aftercare. I'm done at like 6.30, 7.30. It'd be 8, 9 o'clock when I could finally sit down and do my work. Mm-hmm. And it got so exhausting, so exhausting. And one day I was driving home, and I fell asleep on the road. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Um, it kind of it makes me tear up now. It's okay. I'm sorry. No, 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 no. Take, take, take your time. Take as much time as you need. Cause yeah, it was, it was very stressful. It was like going back between that and just trying to succeed and do your best. And you want to do your best, right? Cause you know, you have the potential Mm -hmm. to do, you know, the best that you can. But that was so dangerous. That was when I decided to make the change, and I was so happy that I moved on campus because you were, and it's like you have to compete, not with just, you know, your peers, but you're trying to get a job and you're trying to show your siblings that you can set a good example. And you don't want to be tired all the time. <laughs> I'm sorry. It's, that no, was a really, that was a dark place. But no, you're, yeah, you're that, good. <laughs> yeah, 
yeah, that that was when I thought that either I quit and I get a better quality of life or or I go ahead and I just change my lifestyle and decide is this what I want to do. And it was a really hard decision for me because again, family was a big part of my life and it was kind of like I was leaving them. Uh I was like leaving them to their you know, to their ways. And I felt like I was abandoning my family, but it was a selfish decision that I had to make for me. And in the end, it ended up being the best decision I could have made because I'm now at least successful in what I do. I've met so many people. I'm able to share that with, you know, my siblings and we're, you know, my family's proud of that. But yeah, that was, that was a dark time for me looking seeing myself like on the road about to crash into somebody because I was stressed out about meeting my goals and going to school and competing with my peers. It was hard. And, and I know I smile a lot on stream. I know I'm very happy, but I've been through, I've been through some things. I've been through some things. And if you're going through something like that, Make the time and make a change if you can, because it's just not healthy for you. And I'm so sorry to get emotional on your stream. Look, you <laughs> I was not I was not expecting that to hit that hard, but yeah, that that was it. And I know some people can probably attest to that. I know everybody has their own experience, but that ugh. Yeah, thank you guys. Y'all are so sweet. Thank you. <laughs> they 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 are the best. But no, honestly. They are. I, I don't mean to jump in, but I do. I, I want to yes. say this because I, I got to really stress this. Like, you don't owe us no apology for being emotional because what you go through has made you and has has made you the person that you are today. And it's it's so important because we're living in an age now where we talk about like, you know, mental care or self-care is so important. And back then and even now, we have a lot of people we push ourselves to be our best and we feel like, you know, you know, if we can just push through, you know, one more test or, you know, we can drive a little yes. bit further or, you know, go a little bit harder, study, take yes. one more hour, you know, it, it, it'll pay off. And sometimes it's true, yes. but sometimes mm -hmm. we, we push ourselves to an extent where we don't realize that we're putting ourselves in harm's way by not, taking care of what's first and foremost important which is our mental and physical safety and mm -hmm. we want to succeed but not at the risk of like putting ourselves in harm's way and i think that's so important that you brought that up because we just keep telling everybody to push through push through push through and some people just are not able to push through because if they do it just a little while longer who knows where it can end up physically or mentally and i'm glad that you brought that up because it was not being between working like on both ends, like going first thing five o'clock in the morning to work with kids, then fighting with traffic to take those classes. Then, you know, coming back home, doing your share of housework and whatever else the case may be. And then going back out to do more work or night classes or study and then putting yourself on the road like that. Like, yeah, that that's a lot of it. That's a lot of exhaustion. And there's very little downtime to kind of like, reel yourself in and take a moment for yourself um yeah and <laughs> Oof, no, okay. no 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 yeah. no, con no continue continue because with that 
with that, I was just trying, because I wanted to answer your question fully. With that, it, it wasn't something, I want people to understand that it's it's not a time that you should decide, oh, you should quit this, because clearly it's not what fits your schedule. It, it's really just that matter of, you know, you taking the time to make time for you. I knew that I had the skills and I knew that I had the drive and that I could adapt and succeed in this industry or in this field. It was literally just me making that choice. And I almost didn't make that choice for me because I thought that it wouldn't be the best decision for me and my family. I was like, okay, well, maybe I should just stop and you know, find a more convenient job. But no, it was a matter of me choosing me. And I hope that y'all make that choice for yourselves because that's really, really important. That's so very important. And I, I don't have nothing to add to that. I, you hit the nail on the head. It's you can do it. You can push through it. And I'm glad you didn't quit on that, but just oh, really get in to, to, to attend to yourself. Oh yeah, all... we gonna we gonna put some we gonna make this CS degree work because I worked hard for it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, we gonna get that degree. Getting this gonna get some bank. Promise that because oh my god, it was a lot. People go through a lot. School is not easy at mm -hmm. all at any means, especially when you don't have the the means to have that college lifestyle. I know there are people. I honestly don't think people talk about that enough. I think it's a great time, uh, you know, to stay with your family and if you can save money, because it's smart. But you got to make sure that what you're doing outside of just, you know, going home and going to school, like everything that you're doing adds to your life. So, yeah, it, it shouldn't make you, you know, feel terrible to do it. You shouldn't be tired. You shouldn't be not enjoying yourself. Even if you're in school and you got to work. You still got to enjoy yourself. Have fun. Mm-hmm. And somebody said it perfectly right there, too. Like, lady in tech, she she said it perfectly. Is, you know, you're going to school. You're, you're basically no good to anyone else or yourself if you feel like you're broken down mentally or physically. Yes. And the degree, the rewards that come with the degree, the career and everything is worth it. And you're living proof of that. But it's it's just a simple fact that that self-care had to kick in at some point because you knew it was worth it and you weren't willing to quit on it. But mm -hmm. just to put yourself in a situation like where maybe you wouldn't have been able to reap the benefits of, you know, what you're working so hard towards is it, it's very frustrating. And it's very it it puts everything in perspective so fast. Just mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. You know, sitting on the highway in your car waking up at the wheel that'll definitely put things into perspective oh, <laughs> but yeah i know but yeah that uh just just have confidence in what if you feel like that's what you want to do do it and make those sacrifices you know what we got a lot of people in here in the chat if y'all are loving this information so far and definitely if you are very much touched by what Chelsea has hit you with, um, cause she has spoken a lot of truth here and y'all, you know, everybody has a story to tell in life experiences. I'm going to ask right now, if you're a sub in Chelsea's channel chat, drop your favorite Chelsea emote in the chat. I want to see them. Like just drop all of them. Cause oh, we don't have 
the chips and dip emote. Oh no! <laughs> I need. Yo, I no. I literally need my chat to be flooded with Chelsea emotes up and Aww. down, left and right, right now. Y'all are wild. I Thank kid you, you not. <laughs> it's funny. Uh, oh, uh, please, 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 Morgan drew that hard emote, and she is also somebody that I know who is making those changes to you know do what she wants to do and she works a lot like right now uh she this whole situation she has health you know she has pre-existing health issues so her job has had to make accommodations for her for her job so please if you like that uh that heart email go show morgan alicia some love because she is my role dog she is awesome i would feel stupid if i didn't shout her out but absolutely <laughs> thank hey. you thank you so much for that of course, you know we got to. And if I have a mod in chat, um, can y'all give a shout out for Morgan Alicia right now, please? Y'all need to go check her out as well, too. I kid you not. Please go do that. Go show somebody else some more love as well, too. It's it's all family here. So we don't we don't oh take we don't take nobody or anyone for granted around here. Go check them it's out. Crazy. Yeah, seeing all y'all in every stream I go in, y'all are like a real community. <laughs> I mean that that that's just thanks to individuals like you, like Cup, and like so many others who've basically fostered the positive environment that we have now. Because Twitch, Cup will tell you, and we talked about this on the last podcast. Twitch wasn't like this a couple of years ago. It was like wild, wild west. Everybody oh, for ev everybody for themselves. Mm -hmm. It it, well, it, uh, it was ugly. <laughs> you're right, actually. I need to actually rewind that podcast again. Yeah, that was those were some gems dropped in that stream. Yes, well, we're getting even more now, so you're just gonna add to the pile. Let's go. I'm here. All right, I'm adding to it. Excellent. All right, so adding to that pile. Next question, and we talked about this too with being the computer scientists, and then we're gonna get into some more fun topics. Um, but very first programming language, what was it? Because you mentioned C plus plus, and you mentioned like now wanting to do more front end um coding and programming and then also speak on the subject of imposter syndrome because me and you had this conversation before stream where we talked about imposter syndrome and you have a unique take on it then oftentimes we don't get to hear so i want you just to elaborate on that for a little bit so my first language was c plus plus and it's like people it's like when you compare c plus plus to java people either love c plus plus and hate java or they love java and hate c plus plus i don't know what it is but that was my first language and for me it wasn't like i chose it because i knew because you know i was just learning you know a program i didn't know all of the technical things behind it i was just like oh this is interesting i can you know print things and <laughs> and do stuff and it's great and as I kind of moved on further, further and learned more about what I wanted to do when it came to programming, I started to melt towards uh, Java because I just like how visual it is mm -hmm. for me. It's like, not only can I uh, calculate and compute and do these things here, I can also display it in so many different ways in ways that C++ really can't. Now C++ has, uh, depending on the problem you have, the libraries are extensive. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, why not? That's that would be my first go to like general language. But if I wanted to add some flair to it, Java was always my choice. And uh, 
I think for me, I think the Eclipse IDE was just my favorite IDE back then. I was like, it's so pretty. They had like Eclipse Mars for MIPS. Mm-hmm. And then they had like Eclipse Neon. I, I just enjoyed their whole suite. But that and uh, when it came to learning those languages and trying to kind of make my own when I was doing my own research projects and I was um, basically leading my own stuff, every job opportunity I had or any job I was put on, they literally just threw it on to me. They were like, hey, figure it out. So when it came down to deciding what I wanted to do it was very like straightforward because I was like well I know what I can do what what's in that realm so I've never felt like an imposter Mm -hmm. but I but I completely get it because if somebody were to ask me to do some very sizable task like right now if somebody asked me oh hey uh (laughs) You're you're cool with uh you're starting to get into JavaScript, which I I am really like only now am I getting into JavaScript, right? Yeah. And HTML, they taught us. They did. I didn't know. Uh, I thought everybody learned HTML in elementary. I don't I don't know if that's true now. I'm like, oh, I thought that was a standard. So I felt, I felt like bare minimum everybody should have learned HTML by middle school. Right. Thanks. Yeah. Simply exactly. thanks. Simply thanks to MySpace alone. <laughs> yeah if you and, and i made i made my myspace so late but yeah if you hadn't i thought everybody had dipped their toes into html so if somebody asked me today to make a website based on my js html and css experience i'd be like oof oh you you think i'm that good yikes let me show you <laughs> so i can imagine uh in that situation that i'd definitely be like uh-oh this is the mm, when's someone gonna find out I'm full of it because <laughs> but that's purely because I guess uh I know my skills aren't up to par now I know plenty of people who have bountiful skills and more like they are more than well prepared and hey I have seen people who are confident in the job they have and their skills do not match their skills Ooh. do not match that job title. I promise you, I'll be like, uh, I know this and I'm not even an expert. So yeah, I've seen people who have confidence, they're not good at their job mm-hmm. and they're doing just fine. Mm-hmm. So if you just haven't somehow convinced yourself that you're skillful enough to survive in a field that you've been preparing for for however long, I'm sure you put the effort in because you're good at it. Then mm-hmm. just remember all the people and I don't know if this helps uh, you, but it helps me. I remember all the old Joes and Bills I met because right now I'm I'm trying to see if I'm more HR. I do a lot of HR work right now. Okay. So I put a lot of people in CS jobs. So I've I've met, talked to, and screened a lot of Bill Joes and Bobs who don't have those skills on their resume and they're still applying for the job and they get the job. Mm-hmm. So don't sell yourself short just yet. I personally haven't experienced it, but I'm pretty sure it's because I haven't been given that opportunity to experience it yet. So it's not out the window, but you got it. That's, that's, that's me. I don't know why I'm gravitating to just straight up giving advice, but that's just what I gravitate to. You got it. You have way more than 90% of America. I'm sure you're ready for the job. 
Exactly. And I'm glad you're in the HR position where you're doing the screening and putting people in these CS positions. Cause honestly, we tell people that all the time, like, even if you think you're not qualified, even if you think you don't have the skills yet, like what yes. they're being asked of, like people fail to realize some of these HR postings really like are just are written by people who have nothing to do with that field anyway. I, I, they absolutely are. Please speak. Absolutely. Of, please, please, so, please speak about that too. As somebody who's in I, HR, what it feels like to have somebody write an HR posting for a position they know nothing about. Please speak copy, about that. Hey, they copy and paste it from the request. And the people that are requesting these jobs, they aren't experts either. So they get, they, they talk to the, there may be, you might get lucky and you'll get a hiring manager who will write the request. Mm -hmm. So they know exactly what they want, but they only may get it in a nice little paragraph. Writing is important. Some people don't know how to write down what they want and they'll just list everything in that field when they really only needed two or three skills out of it. So people will look at these job postings and be scared away because they're like, I don't fit those requirements. What is that? That's not me. If you get maybe two out of like five skills, I would say apply, especially if they're strong ones, because a lot of these hiring managers really don't know what they want, they what don't. they need. They really don't. And in my job specifically, no one in my office, save maybe me, depending on the position, because again, I do not cover the full realm of tech. I, I know my realm of languages. <laughs> Mm -hmm. Now, if you go on a machine learning or oh. mechanical engineer, yeah, I'm I, that's that's mango. That's not me. But <laughs> yeah, there is there's still a certain wording that I look for. There's still a certain architecture that I'm looking for when I look at these uh, postings. And the people in my office aren't, you know, correcting it or reading it. They're copying and pasting it. Mm -hmm. They're copying and pasting it. And they don't know what to ask for. They're just like, oh, uh, check, 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 check. All right, I'm submitting you. So, yeah, spread a wide net and apply to everything. If you even remotely, if it's a job that you like and you remotely fill those requirements, mm -hmm. they will find a space for you. If you had to nominate one man and one woman that you would love to see interviewed on the Disconnect podcast, who would the two individuals be? And before you do that, chat. Somebody get ready to clip it, because just like we did Chelsea with Cup, Cup recommended Chelsea, we're going to take this clip, we're going to tweet it, right chat, right everybody, and we're going to say we want them on the podcast, all right? So engagement, 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 this is that community engagement we've been talking about, all right? I want to see clips of this, all right? So y'all should share your individual clips. True. <laughs> no share those two uh, <laughs> so without that being said i want to go ahead and do this and i gotta get this ready too one man one woman who would you like to see up here on the podcast next as an interview so the first woman that i would recommend if you haven't heard her name is sam she goes by see what happened was oh hey, yeah. yeah okay yeah yeah so she is a simmer and She's a streamer and I enjoy her community. I have so many people to pick from. And, and, and just because I said Sam doesn't mean I had like 50 other women that I couldn't pick up. But Sam was at the top of my head because I enjoy her personality. 
and her style is so clean and I can't think of a per a better person for you to interview to break into that simming world. So that's the best place to start if that was one of your interests, because I too have been dragged into the Sims world. <laughs> <laughs> so I can't avoid it now. I can't avoid it. I've been tied up. But yeah, Sam, top, you won't regret it. And my other recommendation for our male is day to day. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. I, I respect wholesomeness. Okay. Because I can't be. And, and I think he is one of the more wholesome uh, CS majors out there. And he's so successful. And I enjoy how much he puts himself out there as well. Like, if you've seen some of his skits on Twitter, mm -hmm. they are hilarious, and they are thought out, and they are clean. And he's, there's nothing, like, bad that you can say about him at all. Mm -hmm. Like, he's out here doing things uh, over and beyond. He's so helpful and sweet, and I genuinely enjoy talking to him. So, another suggestion that can't go wrong. He he he's a little uh you know he's up there so so you gotta let him <laughs> dust off some of the clout before he walks up into here mm. but yeah yeah no no he's, he's a great guy he's down to earth i would love to get both sam see what happened was and data dave up here because and i i haven't had that much interaction with sam but we're gonna get some interaction i'm gonna make this happen so thank you for that referral once again y'all yeah, that would be perfect. I think it would be a good, I'm kind of on the side where I want to learn more about you guys because I don't get the opportunity to ask questions like these, you know, just on the regular day to day. So I want to see how she acts or reacts to, you know, people, you know, asking questions about her and talking to her and all of those things. So yeah, that'd be great. So I got some research to do. I'm, I'm going to have to go in there and lurk in a couple of streams because wh whether people know this or not, this is how I operate. So I'm going to give y'all my little like recipe for this. Anytime I get ready to interview somebody, I always go in and lurk on their stuff. Cup also recommended one more person to me like back when I also need to check out as well too. And Cup, don't think I forgot. I still remember that person. Um, But also... If it's somebody who I've never spent a lot of time in their streams and barely know, I get in there and I go lurk for like a week straight. I might not say nothing, but if you see my name pop up in their viewer list, it's because I'm scouting them and I'm trying to learn as much about them from their viewers and their chat. So I have like the 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 custom questions ready for an interview because like the questions I've had for you were specifically for you. Like these are not cookie cutter yes. questions. I want people to come in here with questions specifically for them based on their life experiences, their professions and what they love and enjoy. Um, so I'm gonna have to go in there and lurk on her for a little bit. And uh, we're gonna, we, we gonna get her up in here. And then Data Dave, now the funny thing about Data Dave, I'm glad you mentioned him is, he is definitely such a helpful individual just for the simple fact it happened. And I know the company, they, did, they don't deserve, they don't deserve Dave first and foremost. They absolutely he, do not. Because he applied for voice acting and they literally turned him away because he was too urban or, you know, because, you know, they always want to associate, you know, black people as a brand risk or a risk to work with, whatever they too ghetto, whatever they want to say, whatever. I first and foremost, 
shame on them and i'm gonna say it here i'm not politically correct on this podcast like i am on stream dave you didn't have to say it i'm gonna say it for you kiss my ass now secondly <laughs> this dude is honestly awesome i've been in his chat more than once his stream more than once and when he dropped that tweet about the voice acting i sent him a direct message letting him know that they don't deserve him but at the same time i had another question i wanted to ask him which was about voice acting because people always are recommending streamers to get into other things just like i'm doing this podcasting people said i should do voice acting and this ain't even about me this is about data dave but he gave me some solid advice and he didn't have to about how to get into voice acting and it doesn't affect him it doesn't benefit him he was already like getting into his comfort zone and getting into the industry but for him to still want to take five minutes out of his time to tell me how i can best get into that space even though you know he's going through what he went through with that company speaks to his character because you know so oftentimes or not we meet people or you come across those individuals they'd be like well if i can't get it can't nobody get it because you know it's it's Ooh. it's all about the all for me and none for nobody else mentality right but right. he he is not that guy you have a question and you want to know something that he is knowledgeable about that he will give you resources and drop you knowledge at the dime of a hat as if like it was him that's directly benefiting uh benefiting from it he is exactly. he is the most selfless person i have met in a long time which is why he was my number one male recommendation i cannot and it wasn't even i would have mentioned him before that even happened because he's still the same dude after that i i went off on twitter like i do because i don't censor myself either but uh yeah that was the most disgusting thing it's like people don't understand that it's 2020 and people still act like that people still do that so i thought that was probably one of the last people that i wanted that to happen to and it hurt it really hurt because he was he was so excited about it and he was just talking about how he had practiced and done this and that and he even took time off of his skits to do this to do the best and to be re to receive that disgusting energy i wanted to know the name because i was like let me go ahead and tear this place down mm -hmm. but but him being just professional and respectful way beyond I, what i could ever be I respected him for that, but you know, I'm still about to be doing my dirt. I'm gonna still poke and find out. But yeah, I highly recommend if you don't know who Data Dave is, that is a heart of gold. I and that's hard to convey to me over just a few streams. So yeah, that that's just genuine and you will not you will not go wrong supporting him. Well said. Well said. So I I, I don't have more to add to that data data dave he speaks for itself and if y'all have not checked him out please do so that is one of the most selfless dudes i've i've recently met um yeah, on he's twitch a teacher. yes he's a teacher of course he's selfless it's yeah. <laughs> it's yeah it just it, it just it just blows my mind that we have people who are that selfless and they're still met with that level of disgust i i wanted to know who the company was because i was like i don't know who you are 
and what products that you hire for but i was like i am i will not put my money behind your projects like mm-hmm. people don't understand like nowadays it's not about necessarily just getting on on twitter and instagram and all these places and making angry posts companies don't fear you until you start pulling dollars from them when you start pulling dollars from people is when you start getting the action and start getting the results that you desire people respond to dollar signs not tweets half the time Mm-hmm. So. Oh yeah, let me let me go ahead and spread some bad press. I absolutely will. We will leave our reviews. We will go and write letters. I will let everybody that I know not to let these companies disrespect people from our community because that's not how we roll. If you think you about to just go and send some trash like that to their inbox, oh okay, all right, I see how it is, but it's it, it's like I wasn't. It's sad that I wasn't, like, surprised that they said it. I was just more like, wow, they said that today. And that's wild to me because he was so far. And I don't like that they used urban as almost like an insult. Mm-hmm. Because cause that's disgusting. What What about that is bad? People literally hire for that. So mm-hmm. so I don't know, it, but it was funny because everything that they said, they said everything he did was right except who he was. And I was like, huh, and you're you're counting him out for that? Because the whole point of voice acting is that your voice, your voice, every voice is usable and useful. And as long as you have those technicalities down, you are straight. Yes, because okay. voice voice acting allows you to be anybody at any time. You don't have mm-hmm. to associate a face with a voice. It allows you to be anybody, anywhere. Mm-hmm. Had the nerve. The nerve. It was it was gross. It was very tone deaf. It was very unprofessional. There could have been a whole bunch of other reasons, but that just wasn't it. That just wasn't it. Mm-mm. Mm-hmm. I don't. I don't agree with that. That 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 just still doesn't sit right with me. It surely does not. It surely does not. And it was like you could, like getting a no, is fine, but getting a no and oh well, you're just too this, and it, and it's not something that makes sense. I'm like, huh? What are you saying? What did you have to add that? That's just disrespectful. Period. So I mm, we. Mm, we could go in on that all day i'm telling you if you are a part of this community and you want to break into something or you want to do something you have to go over and beyond because it's small stuff like that they'll even just hear it they don't even have to see it they can just hear it apparent and they will cut you out of opportunity so I told I, i told dave straight up i was like hey i really hope this doesn't discourage you because you are perfect. You have done everything that you could and have done and, and will do. Because these people are not. But yes, you do have to work a lot harder to succeed in almost any field. Because people will either get a look or a, a sound of your voice. Mm-hmm. And it's out for you. I know. It, it's, it's disgusting. It shouldn't be that way. I I try not to. I said my piece and I let it go with Dave because I was like, imagine how he feels. So I didn't want to drag it out or drag it on. But yeah, it when I feel that when it hurt him, 
it hurt a lot of people because clearly a lot of people resonated with that on his tweet. It's like, wow, this dude has done everything that he could to, you know, give you a great audition and this is what you meet him with? Wow. Okay. And honestly, if he would have, and I know that's not professional, but if he would have name dropped, you might have actually seen some like backlash or change. And I think it's it's true. And and this and this is the last part I'm gonna touch on it because I want to get too deep into it because I still would want Dave to talk about it even still if, still if he's up for it on the, his interview. But right. But right. Yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll I'll just say this part when companies do this when companies and I, I'm gonna look into the camera when I say this when companies do this. You literally don't have an idea of what you're doing when you put out that disgusting, like that disgusting letter, that disgusting email with that wording, however you want to portray it, right? You basically spat in the, you basically not only spat in the face of Dave himself, but you basically spat in the face of every single person that aspires to do what he's trying to do. You literally have shut the door on, and the opportunity on so many people with just one person because it feels like if one of the best of us cannot get in the door and be good enough for you, then why does it make the rest of us feel who feel like Dave is one of the best of us? And right? if you and if you shut him out and you use that disgusting rhetoric and that disgusting wording with him. When he's trying to live his dream and pursue his opportunity, what what would you dare say behind closed doors or to the face to all of us who don't even maybe not even have have the credentials of what he has? It's it's insulting. And the fact that they wrote that in the email, imagine what they were actually saying in their office. I may not know their process. But I know when hiring goes through, it doesn't just go through one person. There is a whole team that reviews your stuff. So if the, the final point of contact decides to write, yeah, you sound like this, and that's too much for us. Imagine what they're saying together behind those closed doors. Yeah, but yeah, that's, I'm a, it really angered me. I was literally all caps on Twitter. I rarely do that unless I'm excited or really, really upset. So yeah, that really messed me up. I talked to my husband about it. I, I, I basically marinated in that for a minute. And uh, while it's not my story, I still feel, I still empathize for him. So, so I, just, I just want him to know that we support him. Exactly. And there'll be tons, tons of other opportunities for an exceptionally talented person like true that's the takeaway we keep it moving we keep it trucking we get upset for a little bit and then we move on exactly we we learn to bounce back very very resilient we we can't dwell and we can't dwell on it forever but in the moment it it hurts it hurts but mm -hmm. we we got to bounce back from it so dave i don't know if you're listening or if you will be listening but um no just like i said they they don't deserve you man they don't deserve you and you dodged a bullet and somebody with much better outreach, much better working conditions and with a much better budget for your talent and everything is going to come along. So it was it was dodging a bullet. If you have emotes, go ahead and throw them in the chat. That is going to conclude our interview with none other than Chelsea Bites. 
Y'all go ahead and give it up for her one time for the one time. Chelsea, anything else you would like to say for them? Thank you guys so much for tuning in. Seriously, it means a lot for you guys to come and not only stick with me, but stick with everybody in the community. Show Disconnect all that love. Share with your friends. Share with people you don't even know. Go into a random server. Throw it in there. Uh, just get some new opinions. And thank you for sitting with my, you know, emotional butt. That was, <laughs> I wasn't <laughs> expecting it to go that way, but that means it was genuine. It really felt like a great interview. So thank you for giving me this opportunity from you and everybody. You're welcome. And just thank you. Thank you for your time. Thank you. Thank you to your patient husband, Mango. He's probably like, y'all had my, y'all had my wife for like four hours now. <laughs> Thank be you. All right. Thank you. We do this daily. They have me for like three to four hours. This is nothing. This is nothing. True. 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 <laughs> and then, oh, thank you to the Bike Command community. Thank you to Kason for the recommendations. And then, of course, Sam. See what happens, and you know, see what happened was. And then, Data Dave, we're coming for you next. All right. Just so y'all know, y'all been put on notice. We're coming for y'all next, all right? You have been put on notice. You have 24 hours to respond. You really do have 24 hours to respond because I'm about to put this up immediately. Both of uh. those clips. <laughs> there we go. Perfect. Thank y'all so much. Thank you. And I will talk to you here soon, okay? All right. All right, awesome. Thank y'all so, so very much for tuning in. I appreciate you. Um, The Bike Command community, my community, Everybody that came in with the follows, the hosts, the raids. Um, in case you don't know, we do this podcast twice a month at the beginning and end of the month, um, covering a wide range of topics between gaming, live streaming, and like, you know, life and events. Okay. If you enjoy this podcast, find it on Apple Podcasts, find it on Spotify, find it on Red Circle, wherever you enjoy your podcasts. And if you in particular want to see this podcast succeed, do me a favor, Apple Podcasts rated five stars so it can appear higher in the search algorithm so we can attract more listeners and more people. But with that being said, we're going to go ahead and get up out of here, y'all. I'm hungry. I'm tired. And uh, I feel like y'all are ready to um, get some sleep and rest yourself. All right. Take care. And uh, we will see you next time for another episode of the Disconnect Podcast. You know the deal. You know the vibes. And um, we'll see you later. Peace.